thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. I know there is more. Really, what does it take for you to feel full? Emptiness is a chasm, darkness and void reaching to the bottom. Wait, that's not it. Let me keep going. I'm searching, turning, grasping, lasping, but I don't feel full. Over time, I've tried it all, looking for a vice that's right, miracles overnight, that's not life. So I ask, what do you hunger for? Intelligence, heaven sent, the precipice and present tense. If the future is now, did you plan in the past? They came because they saw, not because they believed. Now, I can't believe what I see. Believe me, what I need is to be fulfilled. These deeds that he brings can't be done by me. It's a jungle out there, so I'm busy earning bread to bridge the void the Joneses had. Wait. That's not it. Let me keep going. What it costs to fill you is a test. Trials and tribulations aren't yours alone. He has the answer. They're known. Look for what lasts, laboring for the meat that perishes while Jesus is the bread of life. Yes, that's right. Jesus is the bread of life. He wants you to feel full forever. The five loaves fed 5,000, so one man feeds always. More than enough to close that void. Working in the right way. Brighter days so I can believe in what I can't see. Illumination, salvation, yes for every nation. No longer searching, I'm grounded. Found it within him so I can stop. Then I listen. Guiding my steps because I can be forgiven. Satisfied, alive, the chasm is gone, the void no more. So truly I ask, what do you hunger for? Give it up for Ben one more time. Give it up for him, encourage him. This morning, we are so glad that you are here with us at Luminous Church. It's personal. We're in our series, Jesus and You, and I'm so thankful for, for men like that who would write something like that for us to encourage us this morning and we're so thankful for you being here this morning to listen to what God has to say this morning to you in John 6:35 Jesus said this I am the bread of life I am the bread of life whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst would you pray with me this morning father we love you Jesus, we thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for Ben's spoken word, bringing perspective to our lives, God, on what this is about, on why we're here. And, Father, I pray, God, that this morning would be a morning, God, that, that Lord, we would receive from you, Jesus, and, Lord, that we'd meet with you, Jesus, in every way. Everybody said amen. Well, happy Thanksgiving. Turn to your neighbor and say, happy Thanksgiving. Happy post-Thanksgiving, I should say. But if you were like me, you probably ate a lot. 
I love Thanksgiving. I love turkey. Now, my wife's Hispanic. When we go over to her family, they cook a turkey and a brisket. Anybody have brisket instead of turkey this morning? Hallelujah. You know, I like probably that better than turkey, but I like the nostalgia of turkey. There's just something about it. I love when you stuff a turkey. I love the stuffing. It's such a foreshadowing of what's about to happen, right? Because here in a moment, we're about to get stuffed with that stuffing. I love it. And so it's awesome. Uh, and I love, I love when all the kids come over. We had our nephews over this year, Nathan and Rachel. Chapman just moved here, my brother and sister-in-law from Midland, Texas, to come help us start this church, help plant this church. And we're excited. Yeah, give them a hand. Yeah, that was awesome. They're not even in here. Oh, there they are. So, so man, so thankful for them. And they're four little boys, four boys. Man, that's overwhelming. I have one. One is enough. Four boys, and here they are eating their pumpkin pie, and they, they're all sugar hide up, and they're running around like crazy. And, and every American is sitting there in their turk coma. That's a turkey coma. They're just in their turk coma, and they're just watching TV and just sitting there just waiting and, and, and letting the kids go crazy. I love Thanksgiving, and me, like the government, like to spy on you. I, I like to spy on you during Thanksgiving. In fact, I pulled some pictures off of Facebook just to... In the spirit of celebration, here's Elisa taking a selfie. Of course, she's taking a selfie with her family right there. And so she's enjoying her time. Jaren, of course, takes another selfie with her new gauges. She has to show those off. And there is Grandma RJ cooking it up for her, coming all the way from West Texas to make her a home-cooked meal. And then maybe some of you did this where you were just so stuffed, you're like, man, we just got to go relax somewhere. So maybe you went to the movies like Marcus and his family. And, and what's crazy about that is you're so stuffed, yet you still get the buttered popcorn. I just don't understand it, but you still keep going. We have some newlyweds in the house this morning, the Moraleses coming up here and so here's the Morales family right here and how daunting is it to eat Thanksgiving with your in-laws oh man if you like them it's great if you don't like them it's just weird so and then finally Eunice is up here celebrating with her family and she if he put in her little comment I hate leaving this situation I hate leaving home and I think we do that, you know. It's amazing that Thanksgiving and holidays, I mean, if you have a dysfunctional family, somehow it functions on a holiday for most of you. It's crazy how that works. It's like God's grace over families. It's like if we could put a feast together around the founding, the finding of America, then maybe, maybe families who are broken will come together and eat and get along for at least the morning. And then football comes on. And we love football because football allows you not to talk to anyone, and it's awesome. In the spirit of Thanksgiving, I, I want to talk about food this morning. It is so fitting for John 6, 35, because he says, I am the bread of life. So we have to talk about food this morning. My friend David Oaks, who plays drums, him and his wife Lauren, they also moved here to help plant this church. And I'm so thankful for them. But, but David and I share this affinity together. It's a love of rolls. Does anybody like rolls here, bread? I mean, I mean, we love rolls. We can go to our favorite restaurant for an appetizer, get rolls. For the entree, get rolls. And for dessert, give me more rolls. And, and I preferably want them hot. But if they're not, as long as they're not stale, it's okay. David has been known to eat 12 rolls in one sitting without taking a drink of water. 
that's just impressive, man. I mean, think about it. That's, that's so amazing. <laughs> yeah. So in light of bread and rolls, if you love bread and rolls this morning, you're going to love this morning. Ben Williams was up here, and he so eloquently spoke about how Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. If you have your Bibles, we'll be John 6. We're going to be through a lot of, we're going to go through a lot of verses this morning. We're going to be John 6, 1 through 35. It's like a quiet time this morning with you. And so we're going to go verse by verse, and we're going to take away some things that we need to learn. Because, you see, we want to engage Jesus in a relationship because he wants to engage you in a relationship. It's kind of this new epiphany right now in the church that, that Jesus is about relationship and not religion. I'll fill in the blank. Jesus is about relationship and not religion. Everybody say that. Jesus is about relationship and not religion. Not religion. It's this new epiphany that's happening throughout the United States and really throughout the globe because it was Jesus' whole intent. He didn't want you to have to um, wear makeup or not wear makeup, wear skirts or not wear skirts, cover your head or not cover your head. Jesus' Jesus's whole intent was relationship and not rules. And so that's what we want to tell you this morning is Jesus and you, that it's personal. It's personal with you this morning. This relationship with Jesus Christ is a personal relationship. Now, I'm not throwing out tradition. I just talked about Thanksgiving for like 20 minutes. I love tradition. I think Jesus does lots of tradition. I think he does tradition in the church. I'm not throwing out tradition, but what I'm saying is Jesus ultimately wants to get you into a place, a relationship. So how do you get to know somebody? How do you get to know somebody? If, if you were to come this morning, you were sitting next to a stranger this morning, which some of you are, how would you get to know them? First off, you would ask them questions. You would ask them questions about themselves. And then if you're, if you're a really nice person and you really want to get to know them, you'll listen. You'll listen to them and their answers. And then you'll hear their stories. You'll, 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 you'll hear their stories. And lastly, you'll spend time with them. And that's how you get to know Jesus as well. So this morning, we're going to ask Jesus a question. Jesus, who are you? Who are you? We're going to listen. And in John 6.35, he says, I am the bread of life. What a bold statement. If you've been coming for any amount of weeks, we've been highlighting this point that the I am statement means that he is God and yet fully man. When he said, I am the bread of life, he's saying, I am God who gives life. Who gives life completely. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So we know who he is. We know who he says he is. But let's read this story together because I think through the surrounding of the story and the concept of the verses, we're actually going to get to know Jesus quite well. This is a familiar passage. It's when Jesus fed the 5,000. That's a lot of rolls. Everybody say, that's a lot of rolls. That's a lot of rolls. I mean, if David was there, that's like 60,000 rolls or something. That's crazy because, because we'll find out later in the verse that they ate until they were content. 
They ate until they were completely full. That is a lot of rolls. Verse 1. You can follow it on the screen, or if you have your Bibles, you can turn there this morning. In this auditorium, I know sometimes it's hard to see your Bible, so if you want to pull out your phone and you have a Bible app, you're more than welcome to do that this morning. Verse 1 through 3 through 4. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Many scholars believe that the area that Jesus was going to is where the zealots were. The zealots were these Jews who wanted to overthrow the government. If you remember, Herod actually killed Jesus' cousin prior to this moment. And they were angry people. And they saw Jesus, that maybe this guy has something to say. Maybe this guy can help us overthrow the government, overthrow this time. We're no different, really. When we come to Jesus, we come with our agenda most of the time. We come with our preconceived ideas of what he will do. You know, we, we, we come to Jesus with preconceived ideas all the time. Every four years, we want a new president. Crazy how that works. Every two years, a new congressman. Your boss makes you mad. You want a new boss. Let's overthrow the boss. Any of y'all want to admit that this morning? Okay. Maybe a new spouse. Maybe some of you are like, man, you're just so fed up that, that, that your, your home life is so crazy that you and your wife have been fighting for now months. And you want a new spouse. We see this in recent cases and agendas right now happening in America. Well, we don't like the outcome. We don't like the authority structure. We don't like what's happening. And so people are gathering together to overthrow something. And they want to rally behind somebody in order to do this. On a lighter note, I, I do this every time there's a new hair growth product. Every time there's a new hair growth product, I rally behind it. And I'm like, maybe this is the answer to that balding curse that is coming upon me. You who have hair have no idea what I'm talking about. And you who shaved your head just gave up hope. But I'm telling you, man, I'm believing for this. Jesus, Jesus, we come to Jesus with our timeline as well. Our timeline. Man, think about this. Jesus right now is the Passover. The Passover is when, when God delivered two million Jews from the Egyptians. And in this deliverance, he did it supernaturally, and the feast happened every time. After 400 years of captivity, man, who would not want to celebrate? And so, of course, this is perfect timing. This is perfect timing to overthrow. Once again, we will be liberated. Once again, we'll see freedom. Once again, man, this Jesus, maybe he's the new Moses, and he'll take us out of all this oppression, out of all this funk. And what, it, what we don't understand is maybe, just maybe, the season God has you in is the season you're supposed to be in. Maybe just maybe you're at the job that you're supposed to be in. Maybe just maybe you're in the situation that you're supposed to be in. And maybe just maybe, or I would say absolutely, you're in the marriage that you're supposed to be in. But we want to come, Jesus, with our timeline. Verse 5, let's pick it up. 
Verse 5 through 10, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves. And two fish. What are they for so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. From this we learned, man, 5,000 is a lot. I remember our launch service, September 7th. We had 209 people come and we were supposed to feed all of them. The logistics to feed 200 people was crazy. Last week, we fed 350 people. We had 40 volunteers to feed 350 people, and we were sweating in the kitchen. I mean, we were just spooning food on the plates, throwing it as fast as we can. I sang fun songs to keep everybody excited. 5,000 men, not including women and children. Man, that would stress me out. Jesus looks at Philip. What are you going to do, Philip? I don't know, man. 200 denarii, 200 denarii. I mean, they, maybe they could buy enough so everybody could have a little, little. Like maybe everybody could have just maybe a piece. Maybe we could do that. And I, I, I find it funny because, because with our best efforts, we'd still fall short. But we could do a lot with our best efforts. If you remember this story, there's a story of Thomas Truett. Thomas Truett was driving on the road up north. And a big old blizzard came, and the blizzard came, and it snowed in his car. And he stayed in his car for 16 days. He lived on a little bit of orange juice, a little bit of water, and a packet of these. Almond M&Ms. 200 calories. 16 days. And he survived. You know what's crazy is we can do a lot with a little, which makes it so deceiving, which makes life so deceptive. You, you, can, you can build a career. You can build a family. You can do many things. You can enjoy life. But isn't that the ultimate purpose, to be happy? You can do a lot with a little, but you still fall short. I love Jesus' answer to Philip. He realized that Philip was probably pretty stressed. Pretty stressed. I mean, five pieces of bread, two fish, 5,000 people. So what does Jesus do? He says, sit down. He says, everyone sit down. I love that Jesus has everyone sit down. Because it reminds me that sometimes I'm overwhelmed and stressed. And Jesus is just saying, sit down, Ben. Sometimes Jesus will look at you in your circumstance and you're overwhelmed and he's saying, just sit down. Trust me, I got this. Verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. He blessed and he broke. In Matthew 14, 19, we read the same account where he, he blessed the bread, and he broke it as he looked up to heaven. 
verse 12 through 15. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And they ended up gathering 12 baskets full of food. Perceiving, verse 15, that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Man, this guy just did something miraculous. One of the only recorded miracles in the gospel. True miracle. Something miraculous. Miracle happens, and they're like, man, this is the guy. He's the guy to get us out of our situation. He's the guy to overthrow the government. This is what I'm going to do. We're going to make him king. And what's interesting about this is we oftentimes make Jesus smaller than he is. I mean, a king is great. Sitting on a throne, having people worship you, making you Thanksgiving dinner, and you not making the sweet potato casserole. Right? It would be so awesome. But here's the thing is we made Jesus too small. They were making Jesus too small. They were making him an earthly king. A heavenly king for an earthly kingdom. Why would you trade that? They couldn't comprehend all that Jesus could do. 2 Corinthians 2.9 speaks of our humanity. What no, eye, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined. What God has prepared for those who love him. We can't even imagine what all God has prepared for us. We can't even think of it. We can't even conceive it. It would blow our mind. In the flesh, it's incomprehensible. Jesus miraculously walks across water. Of course, why not? To the other side. In the verse 22, on the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw there had been only one boat there. And that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Verse 23. Others... Boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. We go to great lengths for perishing things. Who went Black Friday shopping? Any confessions? Yes, yes. That's why you're tired this morning. Black Friday shopping, man. My wife and I, we love Black Friday shopping. Pre-Benson, pre-before we had a kid, uh, we, went, we went all night. It's like the outlet malls, man. We, just, we would just load up and walk every, outlet, every store at the outlet mall. We, we would stay up all night. We would do all of our Christmas shopping in one night. It was incredible. And we would wait in line. Any of you ever wait in line for something amazing? How about the iPhone 6? Anybody wait in line for that? Yeah, that's crazy, man, right? Don't, no confession, right, because I'm bashing you right now. So... Here's the thing, Tyler and I, man, when we, when we were in college, we went, the Nintendo Wii just came out. We were so excited about the Nintendo Wii. This thing was going for four times the value on eBay. You realize a college student was about to get rich overnight. And so we went to the doors of GameStop, and we camped out there. It was a freezing cold. I think it was below freezing, actually. And it was so cold. We were putting on warmers, and we read a book together at 4 in the morning. We read a whole novel that night, I believe. It was crazy. And when the doors opened, man, here they came. There was six of us, and it was rumored that there were six Nintendo Wii's inside. So we were going to get them, and we were going to make a fortune. Man, did you do anything crazy like that? Hang out with me long enough. 
gets crazier. Man, we, we do that for perishing things. We'll, we'll go to great lengths for that. What about the unperishable? Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. But do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Have we ever asked that question? God, what must I do? Here's my purpose. Like, what is my purpose? What is your will? What must I do to be doing the works of God? Should I come to church every Sunday? Should I go to that Bible study? Should I go to that community group? Should I read my Bible every day? What should I do to be doing the works of God? What should I do? Feed the homeless. Tell me, Jesus, what is it? In verse 29, so amazing. Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That's it. It's uh, too simple. It's too simple, Jesus. No, surely I have to do something. I have to do something. Believe in him. Verse 30, so they said to him, then what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? Well, I fed the 5,000, I healed the cripple. I don't, I don't know. What do you want me to do, man? What work do you perform? Verse 31, our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. They reduced Jesus to Moses. And we reduce Jesus oftentimes. We reduce him to things that are smaller. You may have heard he's a good teacher. He's a prophet. He was a real-life figure that existed. But no, not, not the Son of God. And we whittle him down. And we keep whittling him down to where he just becomes a figurine. And I think oftentimes that we do this. But Jesus is so small to us. He's a picture. He's a figurine on our dashboard, maybe hanging up on a wall. And he becomes a carved image. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You catch it, verse 33. Bread is a he, a person. Jesus is saying, you, you want another miracle? You want another miracle? Here it is. I am it. I am the miracle. I am the one. 
I am the bread that will fill you forever. I am he. And as the worship team comes up this morning, I love church because it's two other things that we take away from this. Is one, Jesus is experiential. And then two, Jesus is the model. Jesus is experiential. Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to ask you a question. When is the last time that you tasted and seen that he is good? A few years ago, my mother popped her knee and she couldn't walk. So we gathered up as Chapman men in faith, believing for a miracle, believing for a healing. We prayed for her knee. It was completely healed. I was at youth camp several years ago, and there was an ankle that was swollen, that was sprained, physically swollen. We laid hands on it, prayed for it, and all the swelling miraculously went down. I've seen men cheating on their wives come to full restoration and a marriage healed. I've experienced Jesus in amazing ways. I've experienced his love and his goodness. I've tasted and seen that he is good. I've seen those who've tried to commit suicide, their attempts be failed, fell, their life restored and given to Jesus. I've seen God stop the weather. As it was raining, we gathered and we prayed. The rain stopped so that 200 kids would follow us to a cathedral to hear the good news of Jesus. Miraculous. And if you were there, you could experience it. Around the park was a circle of light of sky everywhere else it was raining and 200 kids heard about Jesus this one that takes away the sins of the world this one who gives life and life to the full this one who came and when he was on the cross he blessed those who put him up there said forgive him Jesus for they know not what they do. And on that cross, he broke. See, Jesus fed the 5,000, not for the 5,000, but he fed it for the 12, so that they would believe. So that when he blessed on the cross and he broke, they would remember when he blessed and he broke the bread. And if he's that miraculous, how miraculous is this moment? so much more miraculous and I believe that Jesus is experiential and that's why hours before his death in Mark 14 22 says and as they were eating he took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to them and said take this is my body And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, 
which is poured out for many. If you would stand with me this morning. And in the spirit of thanksgiving, but more importantly, the spirit of Christ this morning, I thought it would so, be so appropriate if we ended up taking communion together as we worship Jesus, closing. And if you're new here, communion is just this, a representation of what Jesus did as he fed the 5,000, but more importantly, what Jesus did on the cross so that you may have life. He said when he broke on the cross, he breathed his last breath and he died and they buried him in the grave, but death could not hold him. Oh, death, where was your sting? And three days later, by the power of God, Jesus was resurrected and had new life. And because of this, we can have life too. For we once were dead, but now we're made new in Jesus. And so as the worship team leads us this morning in worship, how can we live a life like Jesus lived? if we're blessed and we're broken I believe that we're going to change this city but we're not going to do it in our own efforts we're going to do it because Jesus has given it to us the way we do that this week was we bless those who curse us and we break you can't eat whole bread and if you stay whole and you're trying to change your workplace, you're trying to change your school, it won't happen. You have to break for it. We can truly love one another by being broken for one another, being vulnerable with one another. Let's model what Jesus has already modeled for us. Father, we love you. Jesus, thank you for a time to remember you. Father, I pray that this week, God, will we live broken, vulnerable. God, it wouldn't be about gaining perishable things. But Lord, it would be about reaching those who need bread so that they will never hunger, so that they will never thirst. We love you, Jesus. Everybody said, amen.